Hi there. My name is Grant Fishbook, and I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Community Church in Bellingham, Washington. And I'd like to thank you for accessing this online content today. And one of our deeply held values here at Christ the King is biblical community. In fact, our mission statement starts with the words, our mission is to create an authentic Christian community. So while we're so glad you've chosen to join us today, I also want to remind you, this is just no replacement for face-to-face biblical community in a local church. So if you're watching this around the world or in different part of the country, we really want to encourage you to get connected in a local church where you can both get to know Jesus and be known as a person because your life really matters. If you happen to be in our area here in Whatcom County, we would love to invite you to any one of our five campuses. You can find out our times and locations at ctk.church. So once again, thank you for joining us today. We're going to head into the worship center right now as we begin the next part of a series that we're simply calling Neighbor. Good morning, sleep-in service. Good to see you guys. Glad that you're here. I haven't met you before. My name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors. would like to welcome everybody that's watching online as well. We have a growing online uh, presence, and we're just really excited to welcome you into the room today. Thanks for, for tuning in and spending some time with us. Before we dive into the content today, I really want to encourage you with some things that happened last weekend. If you were here, uh, the 1115 service was a glorious mess as we were baptizing people. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. The good news that we want to celebrate is here at the Bellingham campus, 100 people crossed the line of faith and were baptized last weekend over our three services. And then it... It continued to gather momentum as the week went along. I found out later on that morning at our CTK downtown campus, uh, Pastor Rob had a, another spontaneous moment. They baptized 11. And then on Thursday night, our Ecclesia Young Adult Ministry baptized 18 young adults. And so, I mean, we're just thankful for everything that God is doing. And every time something good happens, it's another opportunity for us to remind ourselves, apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing. So if you want to give credit for what happened last weekend, it goes that way. It never comes this way ever at all. This is about Jesus. It's the only story that we want to tell over and over and over again. And so we want to make sure that Jesus gets the credit for everything that he's doing. And we're also just thankful that we get a front row seat. So in January of 2018, we introduced a new series. So just earlier this year, and I want to catch everybody up with it. And we started it with a very hard question that we had to answer as a church. Do I take Jesus seriously? Like, do we take Jesus seriously when it comes to what it is that he says and what he asks of his followers? We had an honest mirror moment as the church that meets at 4173 Guide Meridian, our little piece of God's bigger kingdom. And we had to grapple with the idea that God has called us to observe commandments. And then we asked ourselves the question, are we actually doing it? Are we taking him seriously when he says this, Mark chapter 12, one of the teachers of the law came, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, hear O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And we struggled. We struggled with the fact that Jesus said, these are the top two. Don't say you love me. Don't say you take me seriously if you're not actually doing those two commandments as a place to start. And we struggled together because some of us had a very natural response. I don't want to love my neighbor. My neighbors are weird. My neighbors leave their garbage cans out. My neighbors leave their Christmas lights up all year long. And everyone should know that should be illegal. I don't like my neighbors. Their kids are loud. My neighbors don't mow their lawn. They never come out except at night. (laughs) So I think they're vampires. And I don't know why I'm whispering, okay? And we talk about our natural excuses that just bubble up and we had to face the fact that could it be that the majority of us, even though we might say, absolutely, I love Jesus, but could it be that the majority of us don't take Jesus seriously when he says, There's two that you need to get right. Love me, love others. And then when our consciences were just working overtime, the Apostle Paul hit us with another question. Did God place me geographically on purpose? Did God actually pick my address? Whether or not it's a a condo association or an apartment building or 40 acres out in the middle of nowhere or a home on a street, could it be that God actually put me in a specific place? And we asked the question, could God have done that? And to some of our disappointment, we found out the answer biblically was yes. Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul is talking to a group of Epicureans and Stoics, moralists and the original flower children together in the same context. And he said this, for one man, From one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. And then he tells us why we're put exactly where we have been placed. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. So we went back to the original two. And I had people ask me the question, Grant, why aren't we plumbing the theological depths right now? Like, why aren't we going really, really, really deep? And my response was this, you know the names of your neighbors? And most of the time there was this slow head shake. I said, have you ever talked to any of your neighbors about Jesus? Slow head shake. Have you ever baptized a neighbor? Slow head shake. I said, then I'll tell you what. When we get the first two figured out, we'll move on to number three when it comes to the commandments. But until then, we're going to keep asking ourselves the question, do we take Jesus seriously? And so we started assigning homework. If you were here in January, you you were along with us, right? And, And here was the first thing we said, just pay attention. Pay attention. Don't stare at people and stalk your neighbors. Just pay attention to what's going on in your neighborhood. And I heard an amazing story from a lady in our church. She was just looking out her window one day, observing her neighbor lady go and pick up her mail. She watched her neighbor go up and and undo the little package portion of the mailbox, pull out a box. It was in the shape of a triangle, about 16 inches across the bottom, 10 inches on each side. And the lady in the house recognized immediately what her neighbor had just received. If you've ever been to a military funeral, you've seen an American flag folded into exactly that shape. And she watched her neighbor look at the package, pause, sigh, and then slowly walked back to her house. And the Holy Spirit of God grabbed her by the heart and said, love them. 
Love them. So she summoned up all of her courage. And if you knew this lady, she is the biggest introvert that you've ever met. But the Holy Spirit of God just pushed her across the lawn and she went up to the door and she knocked it. And she said this to her neighbor, I saw you pick up your mail today. And I hope the answer to my question is no, but I was wondering, did you lose someone? Her neighbor had lost a son in a military operation. And isn't it amazing, and isn't it just like Jesus, to put a follower of Jesus right beside that family, because the lady from Christ the King had something in common with her neighbor. She'd lost her husband in a military operation too. God put it together. We just said, what if we just started paying attention and we actually followed the Holy Spirit prompts? And when the Holy Spirit said go or the Holy Spirit said act, that we would actually be the crazy people in the world that would respond and say, okay, we're going to just see what God does. Secondly, we just said, well, we needed to pray for our heart to change. Because when you hear Jesus say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, there's no commandment greater than these. If your first response is, nope, there's a problem. And it's not with your neighbor, it's with you. When our first response is excuses, there's a selfish sin issue inside of our heart that has to be cut out by the roots because we're focused on us. And Jesus has this annoying way in scripture of saying, you're actually supposed to be thinking of other people greater than yourselves. You're supposed to keep your eye off yourself and on me and then watch what I do in every single situation. We need God to soften and slow our calloused and busy hearts. And I say busy hearts because what's the number one excuse? I don't have time. I don't have time to talk with my neighbor. I'm too busy going about my life. I don't have time to stop and have a driveway conversation with anybody. Why would I do that, Grant? I got enough going on in my own world. I can't bring anybody else into this little circle. And in that moment, I would say this to you. We need a moment to reflect on a simple fact, just so we are completely clear. Jesus did not come to just save us. But sometimes we think that, right? I got my stuff. Amazing grace is good for me. He didn't just come to save us. Jesus died as much for your neighbor as he died for you. That should motivate us. It should motivate us. So I'm going to say this. Let me just be really blunt. Before you even think about praying for them, you better deal with your own spiritual issues because I believe this is true. Until we see our neighbors as Jesus sees them, we're never going to love them like Jesus loves them. We had another piece of homework. It was to make the right decision. And I laid out some options for you in week number three of the series. Are we going to take Jesus serious or are we going to sidestep? Are we going to love people? Are we going to look for the loophole? Are we going to say, this is for everybody else on the block, but it's not for me. I'm the grand exception to God's great two commandments. We had to make a decision. Another one was to excuse or to live in the excuses or to actually engage with people. Am I actually going to show up in heaven someday and say, Jesus, here's why that loving your neighbor thing didn't work for me. Or are we actually going to engage with people? Because I want to remind you, there are only two things in the world that are eternal, God's word and people. That's what your Bible says. A third decision that we had to make is, were we going to settle for the good or are we going to go with God's priority? 
Are we going to wrap ourselves in a few good things that, that, that make ourselves feel very, very good? Or are we going to choose the God priority of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself? And then we had to make another decision. Were we going to have an ulterior motive? I mean, are we looking to get our neighbor saved so we can carve a notch in our Bible? So that other people will look at us and go, wow, you're doing an amazing job. Were we going to settle for an ulterior motive or are we going to go with the ultimate motive? I'm going to tell you something. Nobody likes to feel like somebody's project. And when love becomes a strategy or a program, it's not love anymore. I didn't say that. Bob Goff did. Let's give him the credit. This is about whether or not we are actually going to try and and have the ultimate moment of understanding that what God did for me, I want to share. That what's happened in my heart, I want to make sure that everybody that I know in my circle has an understanding of how good and sweet the grace of God is. And then we added another piece. It was so unbelievably practical. Learn their names. We actually gave you a neighbor map. If you don't have one, you can pick up one of those nice fancy little cards sitting out in the commons on your way up or on your way out today. We gave you a neighbor map. We put a little example inside of your, inside of your program today. It's pretty simple. And it doesn't matter whether you live in a condo association or an apartment or on 40 acres in the middle of nowhere, you live on a street, you have people that border where God placed you. And my question is simply this, how can you say you love them if you don't even know their name? So we send people out, can you actually figure out what their name is? We told you, do not steal their mail, okay? (laughs) We told you, don't be weird about it. In fact, I heard something that was so unbelievably profound. Someone was so convicted from our church about this. They'd been living in the same spot with the same neighbor for 10 years, didn't know their name. So you know what they did? They went and knocked on their neighbor's door and asked for forgiveness. They said, I've been living next door to you for 10 years and I don't even know your name and I'm very sorry that I've never taken the time to get to know who you are. Would you please forgive me? That just sounds like Jesus to me. Amen. So we just laid it out. And said, Can you actually fill in the names? Not just guy in a blue car. <laughs> Not just dude with a dog, okay? But actual names. Because it moves us beyond the, the, the classic cop-outs, right? Hey, dude. What's up, pal? How's it going, bro? Or even worse, Heidi ho good neighbor, right? <laughs> no. And the reason we sent you out to learn the names is because of this moment in Whatcom County. I don't know if you have noticed this, but even the rumor of sunshine brings people outside. Has anyone else noticed that? I used to be a tree planter, Northern British Columbia. They would give us orientation on how to deal with bears that were coming out of hibernation. They would say, this is what you need to know about bears when they come out of hibernation. They're hungry, they're grumpy, therefore they are mean. Let me tell you something about the people of Whatcom County. They have been hibernating for seven months and they're coming out and they're pale because they haven't seen the sun in seven months, okay? They're emaciated because they're hungry for vitamin D and they're unbelievably grumpy. And over the next couple of days, they're going to come out into the streets and if you know their name, you can talk to them. You should try it, it's fantastic. So last Sunday afternoon, we, we had a sun incident in Whatcom County, okay? It stopped raining for six hours, right? 
And it was the craziest thing. My whole street was outside, all of them. My neighbor Nick was outside giving me a hard time because he congratulated me. I was taking down my Easter lights, okay? (laughs) I'm a little slow this year, all right? It's been raining, all right? What am I supposed to say, right? The Rebro kids across the street were all playing soccer in their front yard. Jess and Emily, they were outside with their kids. It was just a beautiful afternoon. The hum of lawnmowers was in the air, and we're outside doing something very spiritual. We're talking We're using each other's names because every person on that street, Jesus said, was worth dying for. So there's the review. Okay, you're all caught up. Now you're an expert on neighboring so far. And then we're going to add one more piece. The Bible has so much to say about neighbors. Romans 13, verse 10, the Bible says, all the commandments are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Guys, ladies, what if? What if the best way to show that I love Jesus is to love the people that he put next to me? What if they are inextricably linked together? What if God knew this is so important that you can't do one without doing the other? I mean, you've got to tie these things together. The Bible also says this in Romans 15. Each one of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. That there's supposed to be uh, not an ulterior motive, but an ultimate motive in actually saying your life should be richer if you live beside a follower of Jesus. How tragic is it that some people can't say that story? The Bible also says some funny stuff about neighbors. Proverbs 27, 14 says this. If a, na- if a man blesses his neighbor loudly in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. That's a nice way of talking to all the morning people. Knock it off. <laughs> Tone it down. Right? So try this sometime. Walk out in your driveway, watch your neighbor, you know, in his bathrobe shuffling out to go get his mail in the morning and just say, in the name of Jesus, I welcome you and this beautiful day. See how that goes for you. And then tell me the Bible's not practical. All right. The Bible talks about neighboring. The Bible talks about love in such practical ways. I'm preparing to do a wedding at the end of May. And I was flipping through the classic wedding verses, reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 again. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard it all before. Love is patient, love is kind. All those pieces that seem to go with a wedding. But this time I was reading through 1 Corinthians 13 and I got stuck on the first couple of verses, the very first couple of words in the chapter that says this. The apostle Paul says, let me show you the most excellent way. Let me show you the most excellent way. And I'd like to share with you today how 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, applies to those of us who in just a few moments are going to be released and sent out into our communities to take Jesus seriously. The Bible says that if we're going to love in the most excellent way, this is how it would happen because the Bible says this, love is patient. So when your neighbor doesn't fit your timeline when it comes to lawn mowing or garbage can retrieving or dog bathrooming or anything else like that, the Bible says a follower of Jesus will take a breath and be patient. In fact, I have a challenge for you. Exercise as much patience with your neighbor as Jesus had to exact on you. It's a good place to start. Secondly, love is kind. Love is kind. Love retrieves the garbage can. 
Love asks a caring question. Love takes the cookies. Love waters the flowers. Love invites people into their home or across the street. Here's a practical thought. Love smiles. Try it sometime. See what happens to the people around you. Love does things that are kind. Why? Because Jesus understands there's a basic need in all of us to have someone give kindness to us. I want to remind you, the Bible says that it was the kindness of God that led us all to repentance. Not the judgment, not the anger. It was the kindness of God that led us to that place. Let's follow the example. Thirdly, love does not envy. The love doesn't allow the desire for their boat to take root inside of you. Because with envy comes greed, and with greed comes judgment, and before you know it, you're standing in your driveway looking at the boat next door thinking, I have no idea why God would give them a boat. I deserve a boat so much more than they do. <laughs> Love keeps your eyes on everything that God has provided for you, and it reminds you constantly, godliness with contentment is great gain. Thirdly, love does not boast. Love does not lean on the fence and brag about price tags or status or stuff or self. Nothing's more off-putting than an arrogant human being. And if you want to build a relationship with the people that God has put you next to, the Bible says we're actually to think of ourselves more lowly than everybody else. We're actually supposed to consider others greater than ourselves. Let's keep going. Oh, there's the next one. Love's not proud. So love's humble. Love knows without Jesus, I'm absolutely nothing. Love understands that the roof that I have over my head is a gift from him, that I'm simply a steward of everything that he's given me, that everything that he has given to me and his provision is on temporary loan for a short period of time in existence, and I'm here to simply steward it and to be reminded constantly that I wouldn't be where I am if Jesus hadn't put me there. Love's not proud. Here's another one. Love does not dishonor others. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't get to stand in your driveway and comment on the state of disrepair with your neighbor's house. You actually get to walk over, knock on the door and say, is there anything I can do to help? And I know, I get it, I get it, I get it. Some people are just messy. Some people will not meet your standard. Well, when you're not meeting someone's, when they're not, someone's standard is not meeting yours, I'd encourage you to go back to the first part of the chapter where it says love is patient. And to remind how much patience it took for God to draw you to himself. Psalm 28 verse 3. I love this. So practical. Old Testament verse. King David writes these words. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, people who speak cordially to their neighbor, but harbor malice in their heart. Oh. Modern translation, you don't get to mutter underneath of your breath about your neighbor. We don't get to talk under our breath as we walk away. We speak truth when, spe when truth needs to be spoken. Love always honors. Here's another one. Love is not self-seeking. Love doesn't say, well, fine then. I'm going to do the second commandment, but there better be something in it for me. Like this better pay off for me somewhere down the road. The Bible says that love actually seeks the good of others. As I said before, that love actually considers others greater than ourselves. Here's another practical one. Love is not easily angered. So love does not have sidewalk temper tantrums. Love can actually express the right kind of anger in the right kind of a way, because you need to know this. Your Bible says you can be angry but not sin. 
That's called righteous anger. There are some things that are just not worth getting angry over. I got a question for you. Are your neighbor's chickens worth sinning? (laughs) Is your neighbor's dog worth sinning? Just saying, let's keep going. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh boy, there we go. Love is willing to forget a list of transgressions. Love doesn't curate a museum of offenses. Love doesn't hold in all of the things that they may have done wrong for you. Love does not get fixated on an argument and, and get so wrapped up inside of it, even though you can't even remember what the details were. Some of you remember in the last series, I told you a story of a man from Christ the King. He was so convicted over the fact that he'd had an argument with his neighbor. They'd not spoken to each other in years. And the thing that bothered him the most is he couldn't even remember what the original disagreement was about. They did something. Guess what, friends? We've all done Something. Love lets it go. Let's keep going. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. I mean, let's, let, let's have good boundaries here. Love calls out evil when evil is there. Love gets involved when evil is present. Love also rejoices when the truth is present, which moves on to the next one. Love always protects, okay? Love is willing to be protective of your neighbor's kids. Love will call 911 when it's warranted. Love will protect you as you're out living the second commandment. I'm not telling you to be foolhardy. I mean, if you've got dangerous people that live next door to you, you may want to find out how to do distance evangelism, however you want to be able to do that. I'm not saying being foolhardy, but I am saying this. Do you not think the God of the universe, if he sent you next door to love your neighbor, do you not think that that God would also have your back? Let's keep going. Love always trusts. Love is willing to trust that the efforts of being kind and loving and forgiving are going to pay off somewhere down the road. Love always hopes. It hopes that one day you're going to have an opportunity to speak of Jesus in the right moment because I'm going to remind you, the only hope for your street, apartment block, or condo association is not you. The only hope is the Jesus that you serve. The Bible also says love always perseveres. So here's what we know. If we actually do this, love's going to win every single time because 1 Corinthians 13, this set of verses wraps up with these words, love never fails, ever. Now I can tell (laughs) by the body language in the room that there are still people who are just like, Grant, if you knew my neighbors, you would not tell me that I had to do this. I want to remind you of something. I didn't tell you to do this. Jesus did. I didn't write this stuff. (laughs) You don't have a problem with me. You got a problem with the king. And if you have an issue, you can write him a letter. I'm sure he'll take it under advisement. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure he's going to send you back to the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment greater than these. That seems pretty clear to me. And, And if you're struggling with a reason because you're just thinking to yourself, I mean, my neighbors, they're just of a different class. It just doesn't really work for me. If you need a little more help with loving your neighbor, I would like you to, I'd like you to consider this. Look for the fingerprints. Say, what do you mean by that? We just finished a series on identity. We learned in Genesis 1 and 2 that the fingerprints of God are on the soul of every created human being on the planet who's ever been or whoever will be. It's there. 
And I don't care how crusty, calloused, or corrupt your neighbor is, somewhere down in the depth of their soul is the thumbprint of God himself. And that fingerprint may be buried under a pile of pain or anger or mistrust or fear, but the fingerprint of God is there and you should always be mindful of the fact that somehow every person, no matter how broken they may be, was marked by God himself and you should focus on that while you're paying attention, praying for your heart to change, making the right decision, learning some names and loving in the most excellent way. What amazes me is how clueless we can be to how hungry the world is for this. So we did this series in January. In the month of February, the Bellingham Herald released a series of articles that talked about what we should do in the case of the great earthquake that's coming at some point, right? Very optimistic of them. And it said, they actually made a recommendation. They said, the very first thing that you can do to prepare yourself for that great earthquake is to actually know the, neighbors, know the names of your neighbors, And on the back of that article, they provided something that to me looked unbelievably familiar. It was a neighbor map. (laughs) He said, you guys should really do this before something bad happens so you know who the neighbors are and maybe even what they bring to the table. Is there a nurse in your neighborhood? Is there a police officer in your neighborhood? They said, you should actually get to know your neighbors. Like, what a novel idea. In the last part of the series, we learned something. Millennials, the number one segment of recreation that they have been pouring thousands of dollars into every year, the fastest growing entertainment segment for millennials was board games. Why? Because they actually want to sit around a table with people and communicate because they figured out isolation and hiding behind your phone doesn't do any good. You end up lonely. We learned something else from the construction industry. The number one feature being requested by millennial new construction home builders, a front porch. You know why? Because they figured something out. To all the baby boomers and busters in the world, you moved your life to your backyard. How'd that go for you? They're coming back to the front of the house again. They actually want to interact and connect with other people. I mean, we've got to start figuring this out. The world is naturally saying we've got a hunger to want to know other people outside of our little bubble. How much more should the people of God, who have ringing in our ears, the king of the universe saying, love me, love others. This is not new. So I'm going to show you something. I'd like to show you a commercial, a television commercial from a grocery chain. I saw this the other day. It might surprise you. It actually made my bottom lip quiver for just a second. I know it's a shock for some of you (laughs) that Grant would cry, but I did. Because I thought to myself, if a grocery chain can tap into the human need to connect with other human beings. Where in the world are the people of God in this conversation? Let's watch it together.
only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for got a question for you. If a grocery chain can clue in to what the world needs, where are the people of God in the conversation? Because I want to remind you of something, and I can say this with absolute 100% theological accuracy. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. My Bible actually says God is love. Which means I'd like to read to you 1 Corinthians 13 with as much accuracy as I can. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not both. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, because Jesus never fails. Amen. Do you take Jesus seriously? When he said, love me, love others. So here's what we're going to do. We're not just going to pray a warm, fuzzy prayer. At the end of the service today, I'm going to pray a commission over you because the craziest thing's going to happen this afternoon. There are rumors that the sun is out. Yay. They're coming into the street. Are you going to take them seriously or not? The devil will say, don't have anything to do with them. <laughs> Tell the devil not today. Church, would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father God, in this moment right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would commission us to be sent. God, we believe right now you're sending us to our street, to our apartment, to our dorm room, to our condo, to our 40 acres, whatever it is. God, we believe we're being sent there with a purpose and now we're being sent with a mission 
to be obedient when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So God, I pray a blessing and a commission over my brothers and sisters. May we not miss out on an opportunity today. Lord, I thank you that the, what the world needs now is Jesus. And we are honored to think that you would use us as a, some small part of that beautiful mission. So God, go with us. Give us courage and hope today. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God's people said. Amen. amen and amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.